Good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys. For those of you that may not know me, my name is Alan, and we're in the middle of a sermon series titled, Teach Us to Pray. And where the title comes from is from the Gospel of Luke, about chapter 11, verse 1. Luke records a story of how the guys, his disciples, were listening to Jesus pray. And when he was done, they said, teach us to pray. There was something about the way that Jesus prayed that was different. And we started this series about three weeks ago, and I was privileged to to introduce the topic. And one of the things we talked about was praying isn't necessarily easy or natural. And to pray like Jesus requires us to learn how to do it. I think that's why the disciples had to be taught. They had to learn. And so I think we need to understand Jesus has called us to pray like him. He's got a role for us. And if we're going to have the same kind of powerful and effective prayers that Jesus had, we're going to have to ask him to teach us. And so in the, in this series, that's what we've been looking at. So what happens after they ask him to teach them to pray? Jesus gives the most famous of all the prayers. What's it called? Yeah, the Lord's Prayer, right? And in some churches, some traditions, they just recite that. They memorize it and they recite it. It's a very short prayer. But I think that there's more to it than just that. To me, what I think I see in this prayer is a guide. It's like the master's guide for how to have powerful and effective prayers. And so in the last two weeks, Mike Denius took the first two, I guess you'd call them steps, in this guide. Do you remember what they were? The first thing that we learned to do is to talk to God as a father, but never forget that he's almighty God. It's that balancing reverence and relationship. Our prayers can't be flippant. Our prayers can't be filled with doubt about who he is or who we are to him. Has that lesson, has that thought changed how you pray? If you let it change how you pray, you're going to see more power and more effect come from your prayers. The next thing that Mike talked about, and I thought he did an excellent job, the second point was that we have to make our very highest and our first priority in prayer to be asking God for the coming of his kingdom and for his will to be done here on earth. I don't know about you, but that's a challenge to me. Because sometimes I rush right in to the things that are on my mind. But our highest priority has got to be his kingdom and his will being done on this earth. So that takes us to this next step that we're going to find in this guide. And that's found in Luke 11, verse 3. And what it says there is it says, Give us each day our daily bread. That doesn't sound too complicated, does it? Give us each day our daily bread. At first blush, it seems pretty simple. But do you think that Jesus is really asking us or teaching us to pray for bread? I mean, how's that supposed to work? Uh, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, my car won't start. Could you give me some bread? Lord, my wife is so mad at me. Could you give us some bread? Maybe a couple of loaves, stick of butter. Maybe it would make it all feel better. 
Is that how he's wanting us to pray? Seems a little absurd, doesn't it? Paul, I think, gives us some insight into what is packed inside that very short little sentence. Give us this day our daily bread. If you look over at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul says there, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. That may be hard to connect the dots between give us this day and our daily bread and what Paul says here, but hopefully I'll help you make sense out of it because I really think Paul's capturing the essence of what this means. First of all, he says, don't be anxious. Instead, present your requests to God. You don't have to be anxious. Is there anybody here who deals with being anxious? Yeah. What are some other words, some synonyms for anxiety or for being anxious? Worry, stress, overexcited maybe, fear. Well, what is it that makes you anxious? What is it that you do worry about? You see, God has invited us to ask him to provide for us what we really need and then to relax. I think that's the big catch. A lot of times we have no problem. In fact, I think our our tendency is to jump right into the things that make us anxious, the things that we worry about in our prayer. I think sometimes we skip remembering to balance reverence and relationship. I think sometimes in my own life, I do. I think sometimes we lower the priority or maybe not even ask God at all to advance his kingdom. We're just, we've got these problems. And then we pray and then we walk away and we're still anxious. Has that ever happened to you? You're anxious and so you pray and you're still anxious. Why does that happen? I think it's about do we really trust him to take care of us enough to relax and to leave it in his hands. I got a short video I want to show you that I think might help illustrate the point. Jesus, I just don't trust you. You don't trust me? No, I mean, I want to trust you. I just don't. <laughs> I have an exercise that I think will really help. Oh, okay. Stand here and face this direction. Mm-hmm. Now, do you trust me? Uh, no, I just said I don't trust you. Well, this is all part of the exercise. Oh, all right. Okay. Whenever I ask you if you trust me, you say, yes, Jesus, I trust you. Even though I don't. It's practice. Okay. So, do you trust me? Uh, Yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. Are you going to catch me? Don't worry about that. Okay, that's the part I'm worried about. (laughs) You can do this, okay? Just trust me. Trust you. Fall back. Okay, well, Jesus, I trust you. Okay, Okay. Uh, let's try this again. Just face this direction and keep your feet planted, all right? Do you trust me? Yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. Okay, I'm going to do it. All right. I'm really going to do it. (laughs) Good. <laughs> okay, hold it. Oh, you know what? You're too close. You need to move back. <laughs> ah, right. Okay. <laughs> this one's a little bit different. Oh, okay. Uh, stand here, uh-huh. but face me. 
forward bump. I can do that. Wait. Okay. Um, wait for my signal. Oh, right. The Jesus signal. Yes. The Jesus signal. Do you trust me? Yes, Jesus. I trust you so much. Good. Fall back. <laughs> That's awesome. It is awesome. Especially when you do it. Seriously? Of course. Okay, Jesus, I don't know if you noticed this, but there is nobody over there. I know it looks that way to you. It looks that way. It is that way. You can do this, Laura. Just trust me and fall back. Jesus, I can't do that. We can do it together. I can't. You can. I won't. Does that sting a little? How many of us have that experience in prayer? How important is it that we learn to pray for our daily bread? I haven't fully made the case for that yet this morning, but hang with me, I'm going to try it. First of all, what did it mean to the people he said this to? Why does Jesus say, pray this way, give us today our daily bread? What did daily bread mean to a first century Jew? Did you know that in Jesus' day, the average person lived on a day-to-day basis? How many of you guys here feel like you live on a week-to-week or a check, paycheck-to-paycheck basis? It's an advantage. I'll explain that to you here in a second. But it was a little bit more dramatic or drastic, I guess you'd say, in the first century. Do you know what a day laborer is? A day laborer is someone who gets paid for the day that they work. And if they don't work, they don't get paid. And every day, they're out of a job until they get a job and they get hired. I think that's maybe why Jesus in Matthew chapter 20 tells the parable about day laborers. They were very familiar with this idea of being day laborers. And you see, bread, bread was a huge staple. It was a big part of their diet. So much so that in some translations, they translate bread as food. It comprised most of their food, bread was was mostly what they ate. And they worried about it. See, if they were getting paid every day, but what happens if they don't work that day? Is there going to be bread? What if you're a father? It's more than just your mouth that you're worried about, right? There were any number of things that could come up that could disrupt their ability to have bread. They just couldn't always count on it being there, so they worried about it a lot. But bread wasn't the only thing that they worried about. There were lots of things. They knew how vulnerable they were, and so they worried and they tried to fix that problem and take that worry away and find some way to be secure. So I think Jesus was using this bread to symbolize their basic needs and their security. I don't think he's just talking about the food we eat. I think he's talking about a whole ball of things. In fact, after he gets done in Matthew's account of the Lord's Prayer, what does he deal with next? Worry. He starts talking about worrying. And he talks about birds. And he talks about flowers. And he talks about food. And he talks about clothes. I think Jesus, when he's saying, pray, give us this day, our daily bread, he's talking about more than just food. He's talking about all the things that we count on to sustain us. So if this is the case, there's an obvious question that comes to me. Maybe it comes to you too. Why didn't Jesus tell them to pray for more than just one day? Why didn't Jesus tell them to pray for more than what they needed for just one day? What do you think? You know, I think, see, this idea of daily bread, 
I think maybe Jesus was familiar with another prayer that was prayed in the Old Testament. You'll find it over in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 through 9. I'll read it to you. We've got it up on the screen here. It says, Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. There it is. Back in Scripture, here's a guy who's praying. He says, I don't want to be rich and I don't want to be poor. Just give me my daily bread. And then he tells us why. In verse 9 he says, Otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal. And so dishonor the name of my God. What do you make of that? Here's what I get out of it. There's a risk in building a nest egg. You know what I mean by nest egg, right? We all want that cushion of of security. The resources, maybe that's a savings account or a retirement, or maybe it's assets of one sort or another that we would, we think we can be secure if we have enough of that, right? And yet, this guy had the wisdom to say, I'm not asking you for that, because if I have that kind of security, I may forget you. There's a risk in building up a nest egg. We can forget God. And there's also a risk in not asking him to be the one who provides for us. How many times do you think of yourself being the one you have to rely on to provide for you versus God's got me? I think most of us struggle with this, don't we? Maybe more so than any other society or any other generation because we're Americans. And we have this real self-sufficient attitude, right? And we don't want to depend on anybody or anything. We want to be independently wealthy. We talk about those kind of things, don't we? If we're not asking or looking for God to provide for us, we may stoop to illegal or unethical things to provide for ourselves. And that's what this guy in Proverbs is talking about. That's what's in his prayer. He's praying, Lord, just give me what I need today, which is another way of saying, Lord, help me to depend on you and only you today. Here's the main point that I get out of. Give us this day our daily bread. It's asking God for daily bread to put us into a position to trust him and to depend on him daily. Yeah, just let that soak in for a second. Do you pray like that? Honestly. Yeah, I don't need a show of hands here. I'm I'm wanting to challenge you and get, I want to get into your heart this morning. You know, we're not just here talking because that's what you do on Sunday mornings. We're here talking about being disciples and talking about learning how to wield this precious gift of prayer that God has given us so that we can have a powerful effect in this world on his behalf. Do you pray like Jesus says? Do you pray for God to keep you dependent on him on a daily basis? Do you pray just for daily bread? Or are your prayers really more about, could you make it so that I don't have to depend on you so much? I've been most of my life guilty of praying that I don't depend on you too much. And I find myself like this woman in the video. Fall back. Into what? I want to see what I'm going to fall back on. Don't you? 
Do we have the courage to pray like this? I want to show you another verse. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 16 through 18. And this is Moses, and he's reminding the Israelites of what they've been through in the Exodus. He says, he, meaning God, gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known. Do you guys know what manna was? Do you remember the story? Manna was bread from heaven, literally bread from heaven. Uh, the way they describe it, it almost sounds like uh, cornflakes, frosted cornflakes, because it was sweet. And it came down and there was only enough. I mean, it covered the ground. They woke up in the morning. It was everywhere. And God gave them instructions. Only gather what you need for today. And of course, people didn't do that. They started scooping it all up, man. They wanted to have more than their daily ration. And guess what happened to the stuff? It rotted. But there was never a shortage of food. Nobody starved. Everybody did well. God provided for them. And then Moses tells them why God did this. You'll find it here in verse 16. He says, he did this to humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. He says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Did you catch that Moses said that God did this to tumble and to test them? If you've got that in your notes, why don't you circle humble and test? What do you think he means by humble? We probably got that one, right? What do you think he means by test? What is testing about? I think we could easily describe it as training. And we wouldn't miss it by much if we missed it at all. You know, wherever you build something and you want to see how strong it is, you test it to see if it can hold the weight. And you train that, that piece or whatever you're, in a way, you sort of train it by stabilizing it and making it strong. And there was a purpose why God was doing this to them. He wasn't just doing something for no reason. He had a plan for them. And he needed them to learn to depend on them daily so that they could flourish in the land that was coming. They could flourish in the promised land. You know, this is true. Guys, I hope you'll believe this. Self-sufficiency is fatal to spiritual growth. I don't know if I could say anything more un-American than this. Our culture screams that this is foolishness, doesn't it? But Jesus says passionately, Self-sufficiency is fatal to spiritual growth. If you want to test me on this and see if I'm right, check out over in uh, Luke chapter 6, start around verse 24. You'll find the opposite of the Beatitudes. There are four woes that Jesus mentions there. And what he means by woe is he says, woe to you, and he starts describing these guys. Every one of these four woes, these are people who are self-sufficient. And he's saying, Woe to you, meaning you got some bad things coming. It's the exact opposite of those who are blessed. Those people who are blessed are in a good place. People with woe are in a bad place. And all these folks that are in a bad place are in a bad place because they're being self-sufficient rather than learning to ask God to make me dependent on you every day.
So here's a couple questions for you. Do you really want to have powerful and effective prayers? Everybody in this room is going to have to answer that question. And it doesn't matter whether or not you answer it audibly to me or to anybody else. You're going to have to deal with what God designed you to be and what God designed you to do. But I think most of us here really do want to have powerful and effective prayers. So the next question would be, do you have the courage and the faith to ask God for daily dependence on him? The rubber starts meeting the road here. You know, I think it it may not be as challenging to remember who God is and to remember that relationship, although for some of us that may be the part that's really the hardest. And it may not be as hard to remember that my highest priority and my deepest passion in prayer should be and and, and is to ask God for His kingdom to come and to see His will being done on, on the earth. But now it hits another gear, in my opinion, because now... I'm going to ask him to take away my security. My security in other things. And I'm going to say, God, I will just live worried about this day. I'm just a day laborer. Do you think of yourself that way? A day laborer for the Lord? I think it's Matthew chapter 20. Jesus says, he tells a parable about being day laborers, and that's really what we are. But day laborers don't generally have a big bank account. They don't generally have a whole lot of cushion. Do you have the courage and faith to ask God to make you dependent on Him every day? And if you do, and you start praying for it, I think you're going to start seeing some opportunities pop up. I got two of them I want to throw out here for you today. This probably isn't an exhaustive list, but here's two that I think are pretty predictable. The first one is, I depend on God daily when I choose the right bank. Where's Sue? <laughs> we got the bank employees here. I was going to pick on my daughter, but she's not here this morning. What in the world is he talking about? What, what do I mean choose the right bank? Well, I'm not talking about that bank necessarily. It's not like that. I get that from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. You guys know this verse. Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth. Where do you store treasure? In a bank, right? In loose terms. Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin don't destroy where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I think it's funny that Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. I don't think that we're today worried as much about having bread in our kitchen as we are worried about having bread in our bank accounts. I don't know that we feel that secure if I go home and there's 14 loaves of bread. If there's 14 loaves of bread, I know my dogs are going to get a lot of scraps because it's going to go bad before we can eat it all, right? But if I've got $14,000 in my savings account, I feel a little more secure. At this point, folks, if I had $14 in my savings account, it might make a difference. So that leads me to this question for you. Where do you get your security? 
Again, I'm not asking you to answer this for anybody but you. But I think this is the kind of question that you need to think through and answer honestly before your Lord. Because if you're going to pray like Him, if you're going to have powerful and effective prayers, you're going to have to deal with this issue. And you're going to have to deal with it honestly. Where do you get your security? If you had no money in the bank right now, would you actually be less secure? Well, it is, but there's another way to ask the question. Would you actually be less secure or would you just feel less secure? Do we actually believe that God is our Father? Do we trust Him that we can depend on Him daily? Or are we like the woman in the video that says, I won't. I won't trust you. I'm going to handle this. If you had no treasure stored up in heaven, how secure would you be? Now here's the one. <laughs> which, which account balance are you more sure of? Right now, which one are you more secure that you know the answer to? How much is in your banking account or how much is in your heavenly account? If you're going to pray for daily bread, if you're going to pray for God to make you dependent on Him, He's going to provide you opportunities to start making deposits in a different bank. Make a deposit in heaven and be more worried about that than you are about making a deposit into your local banking institution or your 401k. How do you know how much, how much you've got in your accounts? How would you even know how much you have stored in heaven right now? I would suggest to check your deposits. If you're a lot more familiar with the deposits you've made in your local lending institutions or banking institutions than you are in heaven, you got some room to grow. And what a wonderful opportunity. It's scary. It's absolutely scary. But you recall in the video whenever the girl, the first time she took a step to trust Jesus, she came explosively alive because she found that she could trust Him? If you haven't experienced that yet, if you haven't had the courage to ask Him to make you dependent on Him daily and experience what it is to be provided for by your Father, you don't know excitement yet. Because He's faithful. He tells the truth and He does what He says He will do. I want to show you something else that Jesus said. So we're in Luke chapter 12, verses 15 through 21. He said to them, watch out. Now, I circled that. I want to call attention to that phrase, watch out, because it's a particular Greek word that Jesus doesn't use that often. He doesn't make this warning very often at all. In fact, I can only think of two places where he uses it. Here, and when he talks about the leaven of the Pharisees. He does not say, watch out, or you'll fall into adultery. He doesn't say, watch out, or you'll commit murder. But he says, watch out here. And I think the reason being is because adultery and murder and some of those other sins are really easy to spot. 
They don't sneak up on anybody. You can see them a mile off and you know you've done it when you do it. But this one, it's insidious. It can sneak up on you and you not even be aware of it. He says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. We can be greedy and ungrateful people and not even realize it. We can go from generous and grateful to greedy and ungrateful and not even recognize that we're sliding. We have to keep our eyes open to this. And he says, life doesn't consist in an abundance of possessions. Again, totally anti-American. Because how do we measure ourselves? Usually, seems to be by how much we've got. How many things? I'm getting into my middle 50s now, and I have a lot of people that I grew up with and family members that are retiring. And they go on a lot of vacations. Some of them have more than one house. Some of them have a car that's not almost an antique. (laughs) And there have been times before I got real with this lesson where I sort of felt ashamed. And I wondered, did I make a wrong choice going into ministry? Because I, I don't have any retirement. I'm not the only one here that's like this. I know I'm not going to call names. (laughs) <laughs> I've talked to a few of you that live paycheck to paycheck just like I do. And for the same reason I do. Because we're depending on God and the resources that we have we're trying to use for His kingdom and for His righteousness. But greed can sneak up on us like a snake in the grass. And you know what snakes do? They bite you. And then he tells him a parable to get this point home to him. He says, The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. So take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Folks, I don't know if that parable needs a whole lot of explanation, does it? But I would ask you this question, a couple of questions. Why did this guy want to build those barns? God blessed him with this huge harvest. Gave him access to all kinds of of grain. More than he could consume. What did he choose to do with it? He built barns, but why? He wanted more than his daily bread. He wanted something else that he could depend on other than God. He wanted something tangible. Something that he could see, that he could measure, that he could count. And he knew that if I have all this... I've got it made. And he ignored that if he just had God, he had it made. And by the way, did you notice who he wants to use the resources for? Himself. So my question to you is, are you building any barns? 
It's awfully quiet in here. Watch your toes. I don't mean to step on anybody in particular. I'm just trying to preach what Jesus says. Are you building any barns? If you have a savings account or a retirement account, retirement savings, is it your plan to use that money to take life easy, to eat, drink, and be merry? Please don't misunderstand. I'm not against people having money, and I'm not against retirement accounts. And it probably sounds like I am. I'm not. But I'm trying to be faithful to what Jesus is teaching here. If that was your plan, that you want to work for a while so that you can store up enough money so that you're secure in your older age, so that you can take life easy, maybe go on a lot of vacations or buy those things that you wanted, I think Jesus is telling you to watch out, to be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Please don't be that person that God calls a fool. Don't store up things for yourself. Instead, be rich toward God. This life just doesn't last that long. And if... Did anybody catch on to the fact that it's right after Jesus tells us to pray for God's kingdom to come to this earth and for his will to be done on this earth, that that's whenever he introduces the topic of pray for daily bread? Does anybody else make the connection between these two? There's a big connection there. Here's another verse I just feel like I have to say, and I know I'm running a little bit late here, so I'm going to try to step up the pace. 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 through 19. Paul tells Timothy to command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. i got to stop here for just a second. God doesn't want us to live this Spartan life with no enjoyment. Did you catch that in this passage? I don't believe that God has a problem with you having a nice TV or a nice car or going on a vacation. He provides all these things, and it says plainly, for our enjoyment. Not everything is given to us so that we give it away. God takes care of his kids. So don't miss that point. But he tells Timothy in verse 18, he says, Command these rich people. Command them to do good. And to be rich in good deeds. And to be generous and willing to share. Did you catch that? It's a short list. Do good. Be rich in good deeds. Be generous. And willing to share. And in verse 19, he says, in this way, that short list, in that way, they will lay up treasure for themselves. What did Jesus tell us not to do? Lay up treasure for ourselves on this earth. What did he tell us to do? To lay up treasure for ourselves in heaven. And here he tells us exactly how to do it. And it's not complicated. He says, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Why do you need a foundation? You're going to build something on it. You know, you've heard people say you can't take it with you when you go, but you can send it on ahead. What you're doing right now, whether you're choosing to depend on God daily and allow Him to provide for you and use what He gives you, yes, for your enjoyment, but also for the advancement of His kingdom, that 
determines the size and the shape of the foundation that you're going to be building on in the age to come. There is more ahead of us than this world. There is an age to come. And Jesus says to do that, I'm sorry, Paul said to do that, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I can only understand that this way. This is not the life. You know, John 10.10, the thief comes to kill and steal and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I heard that talked about two things. The, The thief was Satan. Check it out, it's not. It's false teachers. And the other thing was that the life that was more abundant was for here and now. I don't think that's true. Paul said that if your hope is only in this world, you are above all men most pitied. The life that is really life, the full and the abundant life, is the life that's yet to come, in the age to come. And if we spend all of our time trying to hoard resources and gain security apart from God, security from money and things and relationships that keep us independent of God, we're not thinking about the age to come. We're not making deposits there. We're making those deposits here. And that age to come will suffer. And that age to come is going to last a whole lot longer. So choose the right bank and store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. To do this, you'll have to depend on God daily. Will you pray for that, church? Will you? Here's that moment where you're looking at Jesus and he says, fall back. And you're looking at him. Will you? Or will you say, no, I won't? If we will be a church that will take that chance, that will trust Jesus that way and pray that way, what do you imagine he will do through us to advance his kingdom? Do you really want his will to be done? Do you really love him? Do you like light? Do you like where he's taking all of this? I know you do, but we got to learn how to depend on him daily. And when you pray like that, there's a second thing, a second opportunity that I think you're going to see. You're going to have the opportunity, I depend on God daily when I leave tomorrow in his hands. How many of us are worried about what's coming tomorrow? Tomorrow's Monday. How many of you are walking into a hostile work environment? How many of you are wondering if you're going to have a job tomorrow? All the different things that we can worry about. And yet we're told specifically to leave tomorrow in his hands. Again, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, he gives us the the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. And it's through that a little bit later on, right after he teaches them how to pray, that he says this. In verse 25 and 33, I'm just going to shorten it up. But I encourage you to go back and read the whole discussion. Matthew 6.25, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body, more than clothes? And he finishes our argument in verse 33. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And guess what? You can fall back. I know this is terrifying, but the thrill of doing it. And some of you have done this before. Many of you have done this before. Maybe in small ways. Maybe you're just at step one 
in our video. Maybe you just fell back a little bit, but you found out that Jesus caught you. Are you willing to take it further? To do it, you're going to have to let him worry about tomorrow and you focus focus first, just this day. I really believe that Jesus tells us to ask God what we need, ask him for what we need so that we can depend on him so that we can put our energy and focus into seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. See, if I'm worried about taking care of myself and if I'm trying to be self-sufficient, which is fatal to spiritual growth, then I've got at least a divided heart and a divided attention, a divided focus. And it's very hard to claim that I'm really putting first his kingdom and his righteousness. But if I trust him to take care of me, then I am free to focus on his kingdom and his righteousness. Do you see how that works? How many of you guys really do not want to get fired from your job? Does it cause you, because you need that paycheck, does it cause you to focus on the work at hand and try to do a really good job? Tim, I know you want people (laughs) that respect the way they work for you and not to take it for granted, not to just do it for the money. You want them to have an interest in the customer and the whole process. Have you ever paid someone up front, Tim? Gave them money? Ahead that they hadn't earned? Did you see how it affected the way they worked for you? See, I think when we ask God to let us depend on Him daily, it keeps us focused on the job at hand in a way that we don't focus on it whenever we have our feeling of security wrapped up in things, in money, or relationships, or people. And whenever we depend on Him daily, we focus better on what God wants us to do and living his kingdom life and bringing the kingdom to earth. And on the opposite end of it, the more we try to build barns and find security in things other than God, the more we compromise on seeking God's righteousness. Okay, I'm going to wrap it up. If we want to have powerful and effective prayers, and I know we do, then we have to have the courage to ask God to provide for us rather than trusting anyone or anything else. That means resigning ourselves to the will of God. To let God have his way with me in all things. And so if he tells me to fall back, and he lets me fall, then do I really want his will? If I really want his will to come on this earth, and he needs me to fall, then I'm resigned to falling, is what that means. But can you trust God? You can. The question is, will you? Do you really want the will of God? Do you have the courage and faith to actually pray for daily bread? Or are you going to be like the girl in the video and say, I won't? I really hope to to challenge you on this. I'm challenged by it. I, 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 I'm not up here saying, hey, I got this all figured out and I'm, I'm, I'm a hundred percent. I have to work at this too. But I'm accepting the challenge to pray for daily bread. I hope you will too. I'm going to pray and we're going to be done this morning. If you would bow with me. Father, thank you for allowing us to come to you. Father, I pray that you'll help us to have more of an awareness of who you are and the power and the wealth 
the resources that you have and that you've called us your children. All of us parents here know that we would never neglect one of our children's needs, but yet, Father, sometimes we we don't pray like we believe that you'll take care of us the way that we would want to take care of our kids. But, Father, we know that's who you are and who we are because of you and who we are to you. And, Father, we do want to see your kingdom come. And we do want to see your will done on this earth because it's a dark place. We see people doing horrible things. We're tempted to do things that we don't want to do. And we're crowded in by darkness all the time. But we know, we've tasted, we've tasted you, Lord. We know that you're good. So we ask for you to bring your kingdom here and more people to experience it, more people to know what it is to live here on earth like they do in heaven. And Father, for us to have our peace in that, for you to use us effectively, we have to have the courage to ask you to let us live for you daily. Teach us what that means, Father. To not ask for more than just today. And not to, not to try to be self-sufficient and take it into our own hands. Help us to pray this way. Jesus prayed this way. Jesus put all his chips on the table and put it right on you and entrusted everything about himself to you. And you changed the world in a really short amount of time. Father, I know you want us to be that way too. Help us to learn to pray this way, to pray powerfully and effectively for your sake and in your name. So it's in Jesus' name I ask these things. Amen.